This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, yeah, but, you know, overall, this Bruins team, offensively, they're, they're a top five team in the NHL. Um, and the last month, as you mentioned, they, they're, they're the, the top offensive team in the NHL. And if you want to ask yourself why, how is that possible when they have Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as your number one and number two centers when they could probably ideally be you know, a two and three on a, on a championship team. Well, first of all, don't tell them that because they're just going to keep trying to prove us all wrong. Um, and that hockey is the ultimate team sport, but look up and down the lineup, the Bruins. I, 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 I looked this up quickly before we started recording. I believe there's only one team in the NHL with more 20 point scores um, so far this season. And it's Vancouver with 11, but the Bruins have, 11 uh, I'm sorry nine players on their roster right now with at least 20 points in the season and that's more than teams like Colorado Toronto Florida now sure Colorado's top three or four players might have more than 50 points <laughs> but if we're illustrating depth for 20 plus points at least the Bruins I think are second in the NHL with nine 20 point scores uh, at the midway point here and you know certain names that might surprise you, could be Morgan Geeky with 22 points. Um, Trent Frederick, 24 points. But I think we all kind of expected Frederick to still be a good player this year. But And then just be, you know, so David Pashnak, Marshan, Coyle, McAvoy, Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, Frederick, DeBrusk, Geeky, all 20 points or more. Heinen, 17. Lindholm, 16. Potra, 15. And, you know, so on. But it's just, if, if you want to know how, simply put, you have a lot of guys contributing. Yeah, and, and during this most recent stretch, like I just pulled up point totals over the last 13 games, and it's like those are all the guys leading it. I mean, obviously, Pasternak's just been ridiculous all season. He has 22 points in these last 13 games, um, four straight multi-point games. And stat that I looked up last night that's just crazy is he now has multiple points in more than half of the Bruins games this season. 23 out of 45. Um, just just silly stuff. He's up to 
66 points, 30 goals already. So third in the NHL in both of those. He's on pace for 120 points. He had 113 last year, and that was something we hadn't seen from a Bruin since Adam Oates in the 90s. Um, but by the way, Saturday night was the uh, new blood, new beginnings era, which covered. I don't, I don't know if that's in the official name. I don't know that anyone's really calling it that, but uh, 1986 to 2000. Um, so celebrating uh, those Bork Neely teams that they highlighted the 88 team that ended the Montreal jinx. The Bruins had gone, I think it was 45 years without beating the Canadians in the playoffs. Um, something like that. So that was, that was pretty cool. Once again, they just continue to do a really good job with these errors nights. Um, but yeah, then after Pasenak, like Marchand has 15 points in 13 games, Coyle 15, DeBrusque, I mentioned a point per game. Charlie McAvoy, remember how we were talking about he's playing okay, but not really Norris caliber level? Well, he's got 12 points in the last 13 games, and he's a plus 16. Like, that's pretty crazy. Frederick, 10 points. Geeky, 10 points. Hampus Lindholm has nine in the last 13 games now after, um, you know, obviously a very quiet start offensively to the season for him. So you're seeing some defensemen get more involved too. Grizzlick had a nice assist on Saturday. He has six points in the last 11 games. Um, you know, so it's just, it, it, it all just seems to be clicking right now of, of just everyone getting involved and chipping in and doing their part. And, you know, and they've done it without being completely healthy during this stretch. Like, you know, Potch has missed time. Carlos missed time. Forbert obviously just returned after, not that he's, you know, contributing a ton offensively, but he, he returns for the first time in, uh, you know, a month and a half. Mm. Look, I mean, 68 points between Van Riemsdyk, Geeky, and Danton Heinen halfway through the season. I mean, I'm wearing a winter hat right now. So, Scott, maybe you can do a little tip of the cap to Don Sweeney. But that is that is some serious um, bargain. <laughs> Uh, that's some serious bargain shopping in the off season. Um, and I, I think, I, I think right now is an appropriate time to talk about Dent Heinen. He gets his first hat trick as an NHLer. Uh, we all know his story this year, just kind of you know, his second sit with the Bruins um, sandwiched, sandwiched around, um, you know, brief stints in Anaheim and Pittsburgh for a little bit. But, you know, he comes, he comes to Boston on a PTO this off season. Dent Heinen is an NHL. He's, 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 he's a, he's a, he's a straight up, middle six NHL player, you know, middle six, fourth liner, you know, he's a Swiss army knife. He's, he's an NHL player. The fact that he did not have a contract going into the uh, um, training camp or even the regular season for that matter um, is very, very peculiar. And, and the Bruins capitalized, but, you know, for him to stick with it and, and know that he is that, 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 that kind of player doesn't have a contract at the drop of the regular season puck, despite having a good training camp. And, and look, he just gets, he gets a hat trick last night. He's got 17 points in 37 games. Um, Scott, what do what do you what do you think of Heinen's story? And it's just it's 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 a uh, you know not, I don't think there's going to be a Disney movie about him, but it's it's an inspirational story about sticking with it and believing in yourself. Yeah, it it is crazy that like he didn't have a single contract offer during the off season. Like he's still you know he's late 20s, like 27, maybe 28 now. Um, and you know, two years ago in Pittsburgh scored, I think 18 goals. It's, it's, it's wild. Like, yeah, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but 
he was playing down in the lineup in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, just just didn't put up as many goals as the year before. But to your point, it, like he's he's just such a steady two-way player, consistently makes smart plays. Um, he can make things happen with the puck and a stick. He wins battles. Uh, he's smart defensively. Like, you would think... I, I keep thinking back. Someone tweeted this. I mean, I apologize for not remembering who, who it is, but that they're like every team's looking for a Danton Heinen, but they don't realize it's actually Danton Heinen. <laughs> like, like everyone wants that kind of Swiss Army knife player who can move up and down the lineup, play either wing, smart two hundred foot player. But then, like you see Danton Heinen's name, and it's like it's just not sexy enough. And for some teams, decide they have to they try to look everywhere else for it. Um, but yeah, credit. Credit to him for, you know, obviously taking advantage of the opportunity. Coming in on PTO, there's absolutely nothing guaranteed. And, you know, I think I'm sure Jim Montgomery, as his former college coach, wanted him to win a job. Like he wanted to see him do well in training camp and preseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he wasn't going to give him a, you know, he wasn't going to give him a job if he didn't earn it. Like he can like him personally as, as much as possible. Um, but Heinen had to go out and earn that, and he did. And, and we all saw it. Like, we were saying by, what, halfway through the preseason schedule that, hey, it looks like Danton Heinen should probably make this team. Um, and he just never never really let up and obviously then had to deal with the delayed start to the regular season where he doesn't get a contract right away for, you know, for whatever reasons, for cap reasons, because the Bruins wanted to figure other things out on the roster. Um and he did get off to, you know, a little bit of a slow star once he finally got going, which, again, had to be expected because everyone else was nine games into the season and he's starting at game one. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been incredibly valuable. Like, the fact that he's – any line he's been on, he's fit in. And when you drop him down to that fourth line, it it's a, such a clear upgrade in terms of what that line can do offensively because – we we've talked about it plenty, you know, when it was Lauko Beecher Steen for, for a long stretch of time, it was like, you'd like some of the things those, those guys were doing, but they just weren't scoring. And at some point a fourth line does have to contribute offensively. Yeah. And they weren't scoring and they also weren't great defensively either. Right. So, I mean, all those guys had minuses on the season, uh, significant minuses for the most part. Um, and yeah, I mean, Boquist, Heinen in particular, those two, if you want to put Potra with them or somebody else, that's fine. But like that's that's that that's going to be a responsible NHL you know line with speed and you know when the Bruins traded away Danton Heinen for Nick Ritchie at the time I honestly like I was hand up kind of in the good riddance type camp because I remember and we started this podcast shortly after the Bruins got rid of Heinen I think it was maybe like. Yeah, maybe the following season. But when the Bruins lost to St. Louis, they lost to St. Louis in part because they 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 lost the physical battle of attrition over seven games. I felt as though St. Louis, uh, they imposed their will more on the forecheck, and they just I, th- I thought they won a lot more battles around the ice. I thought, I thought Danton Heinen, along with others, were one of the Bruins that lost those battles. Um, I remember watching game seven against St. Louis and, and it's well docked. Everybody will sit there and say, Oh, the Bruins blitzed them. 
Bennington stood on his head. He's the reason that they won. Eh, not really. The Bruins had a the Bruins outshot St. Louis for like the first 12 minutes of the game, fine. And then St. Louis took over. And I remember watching that game and the Bruins were so sticking to their system. They're they're waiting for St. Louis to make a mistake on four checks as opposed to going in and taking things from them. And for some reason, Heinen stuck out in my head as one of those forwards who just like was too busy worrying about where he was supposed to be from the X's and O's perspective as opposed to just making shit happen. And and I, I don't think I was wrong at that time with that assessment. I think he was one of many Bruins that th- they lost a physical battle, and they were they were they they weren't a soft team by any means that year, but they they weren't tougher than the team that won the cup. And I guess it's a long winded way of me saying I don't think I was wrong back then, but I also think that Dan Hine is a different player now. And he seems to me like he's just more mature and he is more physical, not so much in like a, I'm going to run you over type of way, but he just, he goes to tougher areas and he's, he just seems like a stronger player on the puck and he, and he plays on the inside more. And that's a credit to him. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and and he... I remember early, I don't remember if it was preseason or maybe early in the regular season, um, possibly like right after he signed the contract, he was asked like, how, how do you think your games changed since the last time you were there? And that was the very first thing he said was, I think I've gotten a lot better at winning battles. Um, and he talked about learning, learning how to use his body, learning how to take better angles, get, get position on guys, get leverage. Um, and, use a stick to take the puck away. So he's clearly focused on that uh, since the last time he was here. And you're right. You do, you do see the improvement. And, you know, I think back to, it was probably a few weeks ago at this point, but Montgomery every now and then will, will drop in some of their internal stats that they track. And at the time he had said like Heinen um, was one of their top guys in terms of winning one-on-one battles. I'm going to assume, you know, a few weeks later, that's still true because Certainly to the eye test, I haven't seen anything that would suggest that's gone downhill. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, what, like you're making a good point though about being physical without necessarily having to throw a ton of hits. Um, because ultimately, if you win a one on one battle with leverage, body position, good stick work, it accomplishes the same thing as winning it by just straight up knocking the guy off the puck with a hit. Like, yeah, it's sexier to do it with the hit. And in a, in a playoff series, there is value to that because you can physically wear teams down. You not that you want to sit here and say like, you're trying to injure guys, but you potentially beat some guys up and cause some injuries or some bumps and bruises that, you know, can, cause someone's play to decline the rest of the series. So there is value to it in the playoffs. And I think we're going to be talking about whether or not this Bruins team can do that in the playoffs. That's going to be a fair conversation to have. But in the meantime, though, if you're 
you can do it other ways. You don't always have to be the most physical team. Obviously, you know, Bruins fans are scarred by that blue series and it leads to a lot of thinking that you have to be the most, the more physical team to win. But there's also been teams that have won without being the most physical. I don't, I don't think Vegas was the most physical team in the playoffs last year. I don't think they're the most physical team in the Stanley cup finals. I think Florida was, um, but Vegas won. I don't think Colorado was the most physical team the year they won the cup. So there are other ways to do it. It, it is actually possible. You don't just have to hit your way to a championship. Well, and, and but there's an important distinction there because I agree with you. Um, there is a difference between there's a fine line, right? There's a bit of a difference between the teams that win the championship and the teams that beat the Bruins. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, it does seem like St. Louis out physical, the Bruins, uh, the Islanders out physical, the Bruins, the Panthers out physical, the Bruins, um, Carolina, you know, 50, 50, but you know, a big team. So it's, Yes, it's you're right. You don't have to oh, hit your way to a championship, but there does seem to be a pattern that kind of gives the gives the Bruins trouble. In there's a commonality between teams that eliminate the Bruins from the playoffs. Um, at least that's what it appears to me from the outside looking in. Yeah, and I also think that's where you know Montgomery's made it such a focus to win net front battles and win battles down low. Um, you know, I think the Bruins will look at it and say, yes, they, they got out hit by Florida last year, but, you know, you're probably not completely changing that in one off season. Florida's still going to be a really physical team, but can you win more battles at your own net front against their guys? Can you get more pucks and bodies to their net front? And that's something that the Bruins for the most part have been doing this season. Um, they have been pretty good at both net fronts and especially this recent stretch, like they're getting a lot of goals by going to those areas and winning those, those battles and, you know, scoring kind of greasy goals. I mean, how many, how many of those nine goals last night were scored like almost right at the net front? It's, you know, DeBrusque right across the crease to Zaka, um, Coyle right in front to Marsh and Heinen tipping in uh, a shot from Grizzly with two bodies at the front. I think it was geeky was also at the net front there. Like, yeah, those are the kind of goals you have to score in the playoffs. And I do think they're doing the work to score more of those this year than last year when they scored more goals in general, but so many of them were just – they're just straight up more skilled and more talented than than the team they're facing, and they can almost score, you know, however they want. Yeah, and, you know, that's what was so infuriating last spring was it wasn't just – that the Bruins had more skill than the Panthers and, and most other teams. They also had the personnel to be a very physical team as well. Like it blew my mind how much the Bruins are out physical last year. When you have a team that has Garnet Hathaway and Tyler Bertuzzi and Trent Frederick and Nick Felino and Charlie McAvoy. And I mean, just Dmitry Orlov, Dmitry Orlov, AJ Greer, who actually had, I don't think played a game. Um, you know, they just the Bruins were not they weren't a pushover last year physically. I just think like personnel wise, the Bruins they had a tough team on paper. They had a skilled team on paper. I think what happened was 
Yes, there were injuries, but they also were up three games to one with Bergeron and Krejci out. Um, I think what happened was the Bruins just, they ultimately, they just weren't, they weren't tested enough game in and game out last year in the regular season. They weren't playing meaningful games for real. The only meaningful games they had was like, can we break a record? Um, and I think this year they, they have to, they, they're not on pace to surpass their point total from last year, but the Bruins are still accumulating points at a, at, at a, at a, at, a, at an NHL best just about, but they're earning those points in a much more blue collar fashion because they can't just rely on pure skill. So you might look at the standings between this year and last year, and the story might say based on the standings and the points, all the Bruins, they're not facing adversity this year either, but they are because the points are being earned in such a different um, variety this year that it's, it's just, it's different. They have to rely on a little bit more on, on, uh, on meat and potatoes hockey. And that's better off for them in the long run. That's what happened with Florida last year. Florida was not the most talented team in the playoffs, certainly beyond Matthew Kachuk and uh, Sasha Barkov, but they found a way to play till June. Yeah. And just to touch on the standings, the Bruins are now seven points clear of the rest of the Eastern conference, seven points ahead of both Florida and the Rangers. And it's funny. I feel like it was only, what, last week, maybe a week and a half ago, that Florida had pulled within a point or two points of them. And I said on here, I was like, Florida might might pull ahead of them and kind of run away in the second half. Like, they, they might just be a team that's rolling. I think they had won nine in a row at that point. Um, now it's gone the other way. Like, now it's the Bruins that have won four in a row. Florida slipped up a little bit here, and all of a sudden the Bruins have, have that gap again. Um, and, you know, goal different, obviously nine, four win helps, but goal differential, they're like pulling away from the pack. They're plus 38. Now Florida's next in the East at plus 22. Um, only Vancouver and Winnipeg are better in the whole NHL. And by the way, the, this should be a great game coming up Monday night. Bruins jets at, at the garden. Um, obviously the Bruins got, you know, they were in Winnipeg just before Christmas and got embarrassed there. So I think, you know, we all agree they're playing a lot better now. So this will be a kind of an interesting measuring stick game for them on Monday. Totally. Yeah. Especially after, yeah, you mentioned uh, the first loss they had against them, but one of their worst games of the season. But when you mentioned that about Florida, Scott, uh, at the time you said that, because I remember looking at the standings, as you mentioned that uh, the Bruins were ahead of the Panthers in the standings by a point. They had the same games played, but the Bruins were ahead by a point. But Florida at that time had three more wins than the Bruins. And the only reason the Bruins were ahead by a point was because they accumulated so many overtime losses. But now, as you mentioned, the four-game win streak by the Bruins and Florida slipped a little bit. Now they have the same games played still, but the Bruins have a, a, one more win than Florida. So even though that they were still ahead of Florida the whole time, they were they were ahead of them with three less wins. Now they have one more win, and it just speaks to um, the direction of not so much Florida is going, but the way that the Bruins just keep getting better and better. And and the Bruins win, Scott. They're coming in. They were winning earlier this year, but but they weren't convincing. Uh, they were winning games that I that they were getting outshot in a lot, and games that I think territorially they were getting outplayed. 
But right now, they're winning games on the scoreboard, and they're winning games um, you know, between the boards, too.